Welcome to Arbel Ministries podcast with Mark Whitehead. So we're in Numbers 19 together. As we reach Numbers 19, we have a really big problem. And God needs to find a remedy for this problem. See, back in Numbers 16, a plague had killed 14,700 people because of Korah's rebellion. What did God's word say about touching dead bodies? What do we read in the Torah that God says about touching dead bodies? Well, it says priests would be unclean if they touched a dead body. You see that in Leviticus 21 and 22. We also see if you're a Nazarite, and you, you're, if you're a Nazarite, you are also instructed not to even go near a dead person. Number six, six. Well, what if you're a common person? If you're a common person that's not a priest, that's not a Levite, can you touch a dead body? Well, if you did, you would also become unclean. And you were even told to live outside the camp while you were unclean. Leviticus 5.2 and Numbers 5.2. So essentially, there was not a person among the people that could touch anyone dead and not have that consequence of becoming unclean. That's a big problem. See, death is one of the only constants in life. So God needed a solution. What was his solution? His solution was the red heifer. Look at Numbers 19. We're just going to read the first three verses together to start out. Here's what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel that they bring you an unblemished red heifer in which is no defect and on which a yoke has never been placed. You shall give it to Eleazar the priest, and it shall be brought outside the camp and be slaughtered in his presence. First of all, what's a heifer? What's a heifer? Well, a heifer is a, a young female cow that has never been pregnant. So, so God says, you need to get a red young female cow that's never been pregnant. Now, did you know this is the only prescribed sacrifice in all of Scripture that's female? And the text says that the, red, that the heifer has to be red, has to be without defect, and be yokeless. Never had a yoke. I want us to look together about these three qualifications of this heifer together. Okay, so first off, the heifer needed to be red. The Talmud taught that that heifer had to be completely red. If that heifer had as much as two hairs of another color on its body, it was disqualified. Now, why red? Well, that's, that's an easy question. Uh, blood has the power over death. That's not simply a Christian thought. We say, oh yeah, look at the cross, look at Jesus, look at his blood. Understand, that's a, that's a Jewish thought as well. 
In Exodus chapter 12, what made the death angel pass over the Jewish people? They had to have the blood around the doorpost. The red blood is what saved Israel. And so from the beginning, God wanted to make it clear that blood was going to be important for purification and for salvation. So the heifer had to be red. Okay? Not only did the heifer need to be red, it said that it needed to be unblemished or without defect, it says. Now, that's not unusual. All sacrificial animals in Scripture were required to be unblemished. I don't think God was a big fan of somebody looking at their flock and say, well, that one only has three legs or that one has an eye that's going crazy. Let's give that one to God. God was wanting to know, will you offer me your best, not your cheapest? Understand this red heifer, pretty rare. It's worth a lot of money. It's not the cheapest of the flock. It's actually the most expensive. And so God says, I want your absolute best. And I think the, the same principle, we see that all throughout Scripture, that God wants our best. He wants our red heifers. He doesn't want us to bring him leftovers he doesn't want us to look at our bank account and say, you know what? I've got a few dimes here this week. Let's give it to God. He says, I want to be your most important thing in your life. And when you have something that's the most important thing in your life, you offer them the best. And I look at that as a father and a, and a child standpoint. I look at my kids. And I don't want to be a father that says, you know what? I I just have a little bit of this left over. Let me just give it to my kids. I, I, they deserve a few crumbs here. And I want to give them the best because I love them. And, and God looks at us and says, do you love me in that same manner? Do you love me so much that, that I'm that important to you that I get your first fruits? I get the best of what you have, not what you have left over. So the heifer was red, the heifer was unblemished, and then the heifer had to be yokeless, never had a yoke. As a matter of fact, to a Jew, any work performed by the heifer was disqualification. Even if somebody leans on that cow, one time, that cow's done work. It can't be the red heifer. Even if there's a piece of cloth that's placed on the back of that red heifer, that red heifer has been disqualified as being the sacrificial red heifer. So, go with me in your mind. You finally find this red heifer. It doesn't have more than two... Um, Hairs of a different color. It's never had a yoke. It's never done any work. It's, it is unblemished. Perfect. You found the red heifer. What's next? What well, says in our text, we just read it, 
it was taking to Eleazar the priest. Let me ask you a question. We've been going through this study of numbers together. Why didn't they have to take this sacrifice to Aaron? I mean, Aaron's the high priest. Eleazar is his son. Why would he have to have, why would Eleazar be the one doing the sacrifice? So wouldn't it make more sense if it was the high priest, if it was Aaron? Well, it could be a couple things. God didn't want the high priest to become unclean due to this ceremony. See, in Leviticus 21, we see that the high priest was not to touch a dead person, even if it was his father or his mother. So yeah, that had to be part of the process of Aaron is the high priest. We don't want him to become unclean. Now, in addition to that, where was this sacrifice to take place? It wasn't in the tabernacle. It wasn't where most sacrifices were to occur. It says specifically it was to be taken outside the camp. That's verse 3. Who lives outside the camp? Sinners and lepers and people who have been cast out of the community. Can a high priest come in contact with a leper or with sinners and still do his job? No. See, ordinary sacrifices were typically slaughtered at the entrance of the tent of meeting, not the red heifer. The red heifer was outside the camp. Leviticus 21.12 says that the high priest must stay within the sanctuary so that he won't get defiled and profane the sanctuary. That's what happens. If he comes in contact with a leper or a sinner, he profanes where God lives. So the job was given to Eleazar. But I think there's something else on top of simply not letting the high priest become unclean. And I think it's something we need to think about as we talk about why did God give this job to Eleazar, the son of Aaron? See, Aaron is at the end of his life. As a matter of fact, Numbers 20, we'll get to this in our next podcast. Aaron passes away. Aaron dies. And I think God was beginning to prepare the next generation for what was to come. He wanted Eleazar to not drop the ball after his father died. So God gave Eleazar the task of sacrificing the red heifer. And none of us, none of us know how long we're going to be on this earth. Nobody knows how long God has planned for us to live. And since that's the case, let me ask you a question. Are you training your replacement, spiritually speaking? Are you actively pouring the things God has placed into you into someone else? Maybe that's one of your children, or maybe that's one of your grandchildren. Maybe that's a disciple. We tend to live our lives spiritually in a way that appears like we're going to be here forever. And they, we kind of think those coming behind us will always have us to lean on. So when God's teaching me something, 
I may not pass it on to my kids because my thought process is, well, one day when they go through the same thing, I'll tell them what God showed me in this situation. The problem with that is we don't know how long we're going to be here. And just like Eleazar, we have to prepare the next generation for what's to come. So Eleazar didn't drop the ball after Aaron died. Who are you training right now in the faith? See, the next generation needs to be built up in their walk in the Lord. Are you doing that? Are you actively pouring into those around you? I think that's our mission as believers. Now, let's look at the next few verses in Numbers chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 4, and here's what it says. Next, Eleazar the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood toward the front of the tent of meeting seven times. That's an important number, seven times. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight, and its hide and its flesh and its blood with its refuse shall be burned. Verse 6, the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet material, or scarlet wool, it may say in your translation, and cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. So here Eleazar, he has the red heifer, and it says that he was to take some of the blood of that red heifer and sprinkle it seven times towards the tent of meeting. Seven is the number of completion. So it's a, it's a picture that this is going to completely pay the price for anyone who touches a dead body, it's going to be finished after this sacrifice. The number of completion. Then the cow was burned. But what was unusual about how it was burned? What well, says specifically, it was burned in its entirety. See, when a sacrifice is typically made, Part of its intestines and, and, and part of its refuse and, and part of what it has inside is, is typically removed. Some of those internal organs. Also, in, in most sacrifices, the blood is removed before the sacrifice. Did you know this, there's not another place in the Old Testament where the blood of a sacrifice is not removed before the slaughter when it comes to large animals like this? Why? Why in this case, the case of the red heifer, why was the blood not removed? Understand where we're going in this story. It's all about getting the ashes of the red heifer. And those ashes are going to be mixed with water and placed on people who are unclean because they've touched a dead body. Now, what needed to cover them so that they would be saved, so that they would be cleansed? They needed the blood to pay for that uncleanness. So if the blood was taken out before this heifer was burned, all of a sudden there's no blood to pay for the uncleanness. So it was burned in its entirety with its blood and it made these ashes. So as the red heifer's burning, we read in verse six, Eleazar was commanded to take three things and throw them onto the burning cow. Red cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet material. I hope you see this imagery. You have a red heifer being burned, a red fire, and on top of it is red cedar wood and red material. Do you see this imagery? It's not accidental. Just imagine that scene in your mind. Now, why those three items? 
Why those three? Why cedarwood? Why hyssop? Why scarlet material or scarlet wool? Well, back in Leviticus 14, verses 4 through 6, we read about how a leper is to be cleansed. Any idea what three items were used? Cedarwood, hyssop, and scarlet material. There, there's been a lot of discussion about the importance of these three materials. Let me just, let me just kind of give you some thought process of, of, of what has been discussed over the centuries about why God had said, you throw cedar on there, you throw hyssop on there, and you throw scarlet material on there. First off, let's talk about cedar wood. Cedar is extremely resistant to rot and to disease and to insects. Did you know there are scholars that believe that the cross of Jesus was made out of cedar wood. Apparently, that was a view widely accepted in the early 100s AD. See, the epistle of Barnabas, my guess is you probably have never read it. You may have never even heard about it. The epistle of Barnabas written early in the 100s AD makes it clear. It says the cross of Jesus was cedar. And so one of the things burned with a red heifer was cedar wood. Maybe it was a foretaste of what was going to come with Jesus. The second thing is hyssop. Hyssop is mentioned all over in scripture. Let me just give you a few examples. God's delivering his people out of Egypt, as we talked about a few minutes ago. And he says, I want you to put blood on your doorpost, blood around your doorpost. What was their paintbrush? Hyssop. The hyssop plant was how they put the, door around the, the, the blood around the doorpost. We just mentioned a minute ago, Leviticus 14, hyssop is in the ceremony of a leper. So when David prays for God to cleanse him with hyssop in Psalm 51, 7, what is David saying? He's saying, God, I view my sin. I, I see that my sin separates me just like a leper is separated from you. And I need you to cleanse me just like you cleansed a leper so that I can be in your presence. Do you understand how big that prayer is? He saw the weight of his sin. And he says, I need you, God, to cleanse me with hyssop. Make me white as snow so that I can fellowship with you. Do we recognize the gravity of our sin like David did? And lastly, there's one other place we see hyssop. There's other places too, but one other I want to bring out for the purpose of this podcast. When Jesus was on the cross, he says, I'm thirsty, John 19. And it says he was offered sour wine on a branch of hyssop. Maybe, just maybe, we're starting to see red cedar, hyssop, all the elements of the red heifer ceremony lived out at the crucifixion. Could it be that Jesus was our red heifer? What about this scarlet material? 
Well, scarlet obviously is a picture of atonement for blood. And, and by the way, you see scarlet material used in the tabernacle with veils and curtains. That's Exodus 26. You see it in the garments of the high priest. You, you see it many places. Do you see scarlet material at the cross? Do you see scarlet material at the crucifixion? The answer is yes. Matthew 27, 28. As the, as the soldiers were mocking Jesus, they threw a scarlet robe on him. Hmm. All of a sudden, we're seeing all of the elements of the red heifer come to life at the cross of Christ. And it's a clear picture, if you know the story of the red heifer, that Jesus became our red heifer. Now, what happened next? Next, the priest and the person who, who burns the red heifer has to wash their clothes. They have to bathe in water before going back to the camp. They're unclean for the rest of the day. That's what it says in verses 7 and 8. Now, somebody still had to go get those ashes. Guess what happens to you if you touch that jar of ashes? You become unclean. Have to wash your clothes, have to bathe. You're unclean for the rest of the day. Now, Numbers 19 goes on, discusses some laws concerning purification. We're not going to get into great detail with these because I want to I want to really look at these ashes. What happens after that red heifer is burned and they get these ashes? How are they going to purify the people that come in contact with the dead? Because that's the purpose of them. Look at verses 17 through 19 of Numbers 19 with me. Here's what it says. Then for the unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the burnt purification from sin and flowing water shall be added to them in a vessel. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it on the tent and on the furnishings, and on the person who was there, and on the one who touched the bone, or the one slain, or the one dying naturally, or the grave. Then the clean person shall sprinkle on the unclean on the third day, and on the seventh day, and on the seventh day shall purify him from uncleanness, and he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean by evening. Now, I say all that. Don't get bogged down in the details of the story. I need you to understand what this is saying, because you get the ashes and it says it was to be mixed with flowing water. The Hebrew way to say that is maim kaim. Oh, that is so rich. There will be a day coming. I do a full podcast on maim kaim. And, and when you understand what flowing water is, this is, this is absolutely an incredible ceremony where they take living water, flowing water, and they mix it with these ashes. A clean person, it says, takes hyssop, there's hyssop again, dips it in the mixture of the ashes and living water, and he sprinkles it on the unclean person that's touched the dead body. That's how you become clean if you've touched something dead. Now, who wants that job? You understand, the moment you touch these things, you become unclean. Who wants the job of doing this? And this has to happen all the time because people die all the time. 
So who wants the job of touching these ashes and these flowing water all the time? In the epistle of Barnabas that we talked about earlier, the Israelites gave this job to children. The Mishnah actually backs this up. And why would they give it to children? Why children? Well, Jewish law says that children under the age of nine cannot become ritually unclean. It's impossible. So they say, okay, I don't want to get unclean. Here's Johnny over here. Let me let little Johnny come and sprinkle these ashes and water on you so you become unclean. Because little Johnny cannot become ritually unclean. So that's what they did. They used children to carry out the ceremony so that they wouldn't become unclean. In history, did you know, there's been a total of nine red heifers that had been sacrificed on behalf of the Jewish people. Nine. The first is found right here, Numbers 19, sacrificed by Eleazar. This was the very first red heifer in history to pay for the uncleanness of touching a dead body. The Mishnah says that the last Jewish high priest to slay a red heifer was Ishmael ben Thiabi, somewhere between A.D. 58 and A.D. 60. When was the temple in Jerusalem destroyed? It's around 70 A.D., 10 to 12 years before the destruction of the temple, was the last red heifer sacrificed in Jerusalem. Jewish tradition says that the 10th red heifer will be burned by the Messiah at the time of the building of the third temple. Do you want to know why even today Jews are always looking for their next red heifer is because that is going to mark the third temple. That's going to mark the return of the Messiah, the kingdom of the Messiah and the temple to be constructed. 2014, a red heifer was found in the United States and many Jews became extremely excited that this cow could mark the reconstruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, I have news for you. The 10th red heifer has already come. The 10th red heifer came and died for our sins. You see, Jesus was unblemished. Jesus had no defect. Jesus was perfect. And that was the first regulation of the red heifer. Jesus never sinned. So we get to 1 Peter 2, 21 and 22, and it says this, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And 1 Peter 2 says, Jesus fulfilled that law of the red heifer that says he was going to be perfect and be without defect, and that's exactly what Jesus was. Jesus is our red heifer. When the red heifer was killed, it was burned outside of the camp. Its ashes were mixed with water to create this paste that would purify the people we read in Numbers 19. We get to 1 John 1, verses 6 and 7. Here's what it says. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, just like the red heifer, that mixture cleansed them from their uncleanness. Jesus is our red heifer. From the pages of scripture, God continues to shout that his son fulfills the sacrifice of the red heifer. Listen to Hebrews 13. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp like the red heifer. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. He is our red heifer. One last scripture in Hebrews 9. The writer of Hebrews completely turns the light on Jesus as our red heifer. Here's what it says. Number, Hebrews 9, verses 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, he was our head, red heifer, how much more will that cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You know, someone getting cleansed from the uncleanness of touching a dead body must have been incredibly common. Death is virtually undefeated. How many people have never died in all of history? I mean, I can think of a couple, Enoch and Elijah in the Bible, they didn't die. Other than that, death is a constant, right? So this red heifer was an absolute must for the people. I mean, you're going to have family members die. You're going to have friends. You're going to have people you're around pass away. There has to be a sacrifice for that uncleanness. This red heifer was such an important sacrifice for the people. Today, the red heifer has already been sacrificed. If you're listening to this podcast, I have to ask you, have you accepted the red heifer? See, uh, there's a day coming that all of us, we're going to pass away. If an Israelite did not accept the sacrifice of the red heifer, that person was cast out from among the people. He had to accept the red heifer if he wanted to have fellowship with God and fellowship with people. It was an absolute must but he could reject that sacrifice. See, the red heifer was already killed. He just had to accept the ashes and the water, the ceremony to, to clean him from his uncleanness, but he could choose to reject it. And if he rejected it, it says he's cast out from the camp. And it wasn't because that God didn't love him. 
It wasn't because the, his family didn't love him. It wasn't because the priest didn't love him. It, it was because it says specifically his uncleanness would defile the sanctuary. So that red heifer paid the price for that uncleanness. And if they simply accepted that red heifer, they would be made clean. Our red heifer today has already made the price, pay the price for our sin. Hebrews 9 says, Jesus cleanses us from the inside out. It's opposite of the ceremony where you simply apply the ashes and the maim kaim to the person and you sprinkle it on their outside. Scripture says, in that same way, Jesus cleanses us from the inside. And it says he, he cleanses us so that we don't have to do a bunch of dead works. It's not simply about going to church. It's not simply about reading the Bible, even. It's not simply about trying to be good or obeying rules. What's it about? At the very end of verse 14, cleanses us from our conscience of dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, I get to go to church. I get to worship with other believers. I get to wake up in the morning and read his word and allow it to mold me and shape me and to make me look more like Jesus. I get to learn what pleases the Lord by reading his word and live for him. And I get to serve a living God. That's Christianity. It's not about obeying a bunch of rules. It's not about a bunch of dead works. It's not about checking things off a list. Being a follower of Jesus is understanding we serve a living God and we are invited into his story and we get to serve. Oh, it's fun serving a living God. Are you listening to him? Are you obeying him? That's our call. As believers. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As always, I invite you to reach out to me. Twitter at Arbel Ministries is my handle. Gmail, you can email me at arbellministries at gmail.com. I love hearing your questions. I also love hearing what God's doing with these lessons. Please let me know. And I would also encourage you if this podcast means something to you, if it's growing you in your walk, share it with others. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Share it on social media. Let others be challenged if it's challenging you. I truly believe God expects us to pass on the things that he's using to mold us and shape us. That's the process of what it looks like to become a disciple. So please share this if it's impacting you. I look forward to our next podcast together, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks.